Hey, Vahe, I, uh, I think this is our first podcast together. I think it is. I think there was one uh, one video we did together in uh, in St. Louis or somewhere after after the NCAA tournament, and my mom looked at it and said we all look like just sour guys. So luckily, this is not being televised. Good, good. Well, I don't know. I feel like we have good chemistry together. So Sam Mellinger is at the Super Bowl. Um, I'm Rustin Dodd, the Royals beat writer for the Kansas City Star, and this is uh, Royals edition of Sports Beat KC. Um, we got about. 13 days until pitchers and catchers report, if you can believe that, Vahe. So they'll be they'll be down there February 18th. Most of them will actually be there maybe sometime next week. Some of them are already down there. So a lot of stuff going on in Surprise right now. You know, one that, that's going to probably propel us towards something we'll talk about either now or later. But it, it does get you thinking about um, how everything has changed for them just in terms of condensed offseason. And what does that do to – to a player, to a team preparation. Obviously, you want to play as long as you can, but uh, your your dynamics of your offseason are totally different, I, I would assume. Yeah, and they talked about, we'll, we'll get into it talking about FanFest last weekend, but they, they talked about even something as simple as the pitchers probably aren't going to throw as much this spring training just because they've threw so many innings last year and in, in 2014, too. I mean, they're two years in a row they've gone into essentially November um, playing baseball, so it's going to change the schedule up a little bit. But uh, once again, we got Vahe Gregorian here. I don't know if I introduced you, Vahe. You Sorry. did, and, and you did it really properly. And by the way, I didn't want to make it sound like uh, I don't think we have good chemistry. My point was, I don't, you know, I got a face made for a newspaper. I, I don't really, I think we benefit from, I benefit from the lack of camera is what I'm saying, Rustin. No, definitely. And the ability we to just talk. Chris Fickett, producer, editor, uh, every man of all talents uh, here as well. Um, Thank so you, Rustin. no was, problem. Uh, yeah, that hasn't happened very before. Nice. Really. Yeah. Just, yeah, across the glass, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> um, but no, uh, let's let's get into this. Last weekend was Fan Fest. Uh, I don't think you were there, but um, maybe next year. I wasn't, but I read all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. but not a lot of news out of there. But um, I, you know, a large amount of players back in town. Ned Yost and general manager Dane Moore there as well. Um, a lot of people down there at Bartle Hall as well. But I just wanted to go over maybe just a couple of newsy notes. Um, not big stuff, but um, Ian Kennedy, he was introduced, made his kind of first public appearance as a royal. Um, Ned Yost was talking about more or less confirming that the organizational stance that they're likely going to have a platoon in right field with Gerard Dyson and Paulo Orlando. That could change, obviously. They a few days later, then they signed Travis Snyder to a minor league deal, and that could add some depth and another option out there in right field. But that's sort of a fluid position, one of the few maybe going into spring training where we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, Ned also more or less confirmed that the rotation is going to be in some order. Uh, Edinson Volquez, Jordano Ventura, and Ian Kennedy with the two spots at the end sort of up for grabs. Um, likely Chris Young, Chris Medlin, Danny Duffy, Danny Duffy says he's cool either way, but he's seemed to say that a lot in the past. So we'll see where he ends up. I think that'll be another intriguing storyline going into spring training. Um, and another one that I, I didn't really think about um, as much, but it, it came up, was Alex Gordon uh, last offseason was dealing with a wrist injury. And he mentioned how he was so much more healthy this offseason. He obviously had the free agent stuff going on, but he's been able to work out all offseason. And so um, that's a lot different than, than last season when he almost – probably, as he admits, should have been on the disabled list to start the season. So he's a guy um, heading into the season will be a lot stronger. Um, 
but by also one of the one of the topics that obviously is sort of a, a forced topic a little bit at this time of the year, but a lot of guys were talking about it. Just the uh, coming into the season as being World Series champions and what that does sort of to the mindset and to um, this team as they try to kind of find a way to be motivated again um, after kind of finally reaching the mountaintop. Every one of those is a great topic, I think, Rustin. And, and it, just since the last one's freshest on my mind, it, it you know, it, to me, it's really actually kind of fascinating. It probably is, in a way, a kind of a forced topic because every year these guys are professionals. You assume motivation isn't really an issue. But I remember, and all three of us were probably involved in some capacity in talking about this a little bit last year, just what were the themes going into last season? And one was going to be, are they complacent? They're just, well, they got to the seventh game of the World Series and – I, you know, I'm sure they're feeling a lot of self-satisfaction and they just assume everything's going to be great again. And, and, and sort of from the get-go, um, that, that was disproven. I mean, it, it, it seemed like a lot of guys got there early as we think is happening now, but I don't think I really understood how much game seven of the world series the year before absolutely drove them until they got back to the world series and they remember that one day the media day i think you were over yeah. there they every guy in that room and i think chris was chris and i were walking around together doing some video meaning chris was doing the video and i was walking with them <laughs> um but it but i think we got 17 guys one way or another talking about the the torture they felt from losing game seven of the world series so it, it, any read i had from the outside looking at last year was just kind of off. There was never going to be an issue of motivation. Now it's only a couple games different, but it's a completely different issue, isn't it? You've won, you've done it all. So I don't know what that, if there's that extra fire, I guess that's really the question. Is that that extra fire and does it matter in baseball too? That's the other thing, right? It's a sport where people like to say you need to try easier instead of try harder. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a it's a still a young group. It's not as young as it once was, and a lot of these guys are now in their mid to late twenties and more or less entering their prime years. Um, but they've sort of lost. I mean, a lot of these guys are now in arbitration contracts. They're making more money. Um, you wonder how that plays a part. I think it's almost with this group the way we've seen them the last couple of years. It's something that they're going to find ways to motivate themselves. I mean, it, it might even be ways that sound kind of like are really like you're you you won the world series last year and now you're playing the nobody respects us card but yeah, somebody picked us at 77 yeah. <laughs> and 85 but and the, yeah, but, yeah. but athletes find really weird ways to motivate themselves and so i think they'll be talking about how you know people are talking about how their championship was a fluke and how they were the luckiest team that's won the world series in the last decade and how fan graphs is still picking them to win 79 games and they'll they'll find ways i do think that it, it will be interested or interesting to see if they get a little complacent just not necessarily that they won the world series but some of these guys now are more established they're not necessarily fighting for their careers but trying to kind of reach that next contract or that next phase that, of their career. I, I, think I think that's, that's a great point. Maybe just as just as important as the, the winning aspect of you, it. You might see some of that in the regular season. Now that they've been through two full yeah. you know, um, seasons and the postseason, um, and now they they know how to win in the postseason, you, you might see a little 
dialing back in the in the regular season knowing that we need to save ourselves for when it you know for getting into the playoffs make sure we get in the playoffs and make sure we have enough to to withstand the postseason you know that's you're, a, you're, you're making me smile because you're making me think of course of the uh the game five against Houston thing and that's where part of this kicks in that you, you or not game five but the elimination game against Houston um you use the word fluke that you know the idea of trying to prove it wasn't a fluke if if I recall correctly and I think this is right um the day the day of the elimination game against Houston is when the the, the players tribune posted Eric Hosmer's we weren't a fluke essay Oh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, about the fifth or sixth inning, that did not seem like the right day for that essay to come out. And of course, we've talked about this a number of times. We're going through our preparations for what we're going to write, and one of the things we're going to write is if they've gone ahead and lost that game that they're trailing by four runs in, is uh, how pacing themselves in September backfired. And but Chris brings brings up another point of this whole thing. Do they now? understand maybe they don't have to come out of the gates and be whatever they were nine and zero last year and and that 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 energy might be better expended over a long haul with the, the little sense of just measure yeah I, I i i don't know i i tend to think some of these conversations are slightly overblown of course it's February third. So what else are we going to talk about? It's what we about? got. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but but no, it's interesting I, to think about. I yeah, mean, it, it is. I, I think the it'll be. They're likely not going to start, you know, seven, eight, and zero, nine and zero, whatever it was last year. Um, so, can they kind of find other ways to sustain the momentum when when they, you know, if they they start out, you know, twenty one and twenty one, you know, something like that. It's it's a long season. You know, what what will be the reaction if they're at five hundred, you know, on May first, as opposed to, you know, ten games over? I don't well, think they're going to be uh, uh, at a loss for. For um, motivation at the start of the season, they do open with the Mets. Yeah, and don't, don't, they, they, have don't Astros, they play Houston? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, that, it's yeah. sort yeah. of an just, odd you know. schedule. They they open with um, Mets and the Mets at here. home, and then they go and then they play the Twins, but then they'll play Houston at Houston on Houston's home opener. Oh, that's Houston's home opener. And it'll I be didn't a home realize opener that for Houston, so it'll be I, a four game series in Houston, which will include Houston's home opener. So that'll be wow. two interesting sort of uh, look you know, series where it's impossible not to, to think back to last October. I think Blair researched this, and I, I, I think it's it, I think this is true. So when the Royals open with the Mets, that will be the first time the last the, – the World Series teams have ever played in an opener. Yeah, the, and I mean, this is – I mean, it essentially the only times it could have happened were the last two or three right, years. Right, exactly. Since they – Just because since they even Yeah, since they yeah. – the interleague play would have started on opening day. Hey, let me circle back to one quick thing that, that I, I do think has been a telling thing about this team, and I'm trying to get my arms around how to express it. it there is a core um, camaraderie to this group that has something to do with, with that broader chemistry and, that has produced the magic. I think there's a, there really is a strong belief in each other and strong – uh, desire to play for each other in this group and there's probably many teams that have that and don't play as well and there's probably you know teams that hate each other and do play well I mean we you know you can think that through but but I think the nucleus of this team um, is both physical performance wise and inspiration wise a, a reason I don't think there's going to be a, any kind of sag I mean they may not be as good and they may not have as much luck but I don't I don't think it'll be for <clears throat> lack of drive. 
Yeah, you know, Ned Yost had a funny line um, when he met the media at FanFest, sort of hitting on this conversation, and he said, you know, you know, a lot of teams won the World Series once, but, you know, not many have won it twice in a row. And he also said, you know, we feel like we're 90 feet away from going for a three-peat right now, yeah. which is kind of, which is true, and it sounds like sort of a drop-the-mic kind of moment, um, but it's accurate. And I think that they've sort of gone from being looking at themselves as uh, trying to earn the league's respect and now sort of understanding that they are one of the best teams in the league and now we're going to go out there and prove it and yeah. that this you know they've got and I also think that there's you know one thing that might come into play this year and next year if we really want to get ahead of it is that the window is we've talked about this a lot but the window is a little bit is closing I mean it's it's there's light at the end of the tunnel where you can kind of see this thing. And I think the players understand that too, that a lot of these guys have their time in Kansas city is limited, at least for some of them, you know, not all these guys are going to get re-signed. So if the time is now, if they're going to, if they're going to get anything done. I, I, I think that's right. And, and I think that's a, actually as important a point as any in all this is the sense of understanding the window and uh, you know, the idea of how whatever this expression is about the precious present is right here. I, I think they get that, that the, they, they've still got a um, special place and time before them. They're part of it. They're in the middle of it. And, and um, certainly would be more memorable if they do, uh, as Ned would say, you know, three-peat and, or be, you know, get themselves to that next chance to win. Yeah, I think this also this is sort of I think this is why signing Alex Gordon was critical from from your chemistry point of view. I think it's it would have probably been fine anyways. They've got they've got other leaders in the clubhouse that would step up and they they would have been fine without Alex Gordon. But now they basically have every sort of person in the clubhouse that was kind of integral to this to this rise is still there. So they can kind of retain the same roles, you know. Yeah, Uh, Alex Gordon is sort of the the quiet leader in the corner and the guy that everybody looks to um you know salvador perez is still himself eric Hosmer is still sort of the kind of the the voice or at least the emerging voice of the clubhouse so that they have got all those pieces still in place i mean they the guys they lost is crucial as ben zobrist was on the field and in a great you know veteran presence in the clubhouse he was he was still sort of an outsider in, yeah. in some respects, to to the main core, so I think I think you're hitting on a great point because I think these guys are you know sort of foundational pillars of of that team just from what they they give on the field. And again, this is kind of intangible, uh, maybe even um, silly speculation about the chemistry. But but I I do believe that you know, every team changes somehow, right? With any one person, with any season changing, they, they, they change in the sort of dynamics among themselves. But you have to say that the powerful personality points of that team are exactly still there, really, right? I mean, and Gordon, even though he's quieter, he's a, he's a, a powerful presence. I mean, you know you've got the quiet leader over there in that corner of the clubhouse, and you know, as you noted, all these other sort of temperaments that are in there. But they have obviously learned to blend together and without one of them it sort of affects yeah. all of them the equilibrium yeah is, is yeah <laughs> is it, in place i think you know? I, I do i think there it is, is no disturbance in the royals there, force no, this year no it's as very, far as we know yeah it's, yeah 
Might be the worst joke I've ever made on this podcast. <laughs> you just don't want to use – you can't use disturbance in the forest? Or is no, that, is no. That a, yeah. I, I can't believe I did that. But uh, – no, but I will say, Vi, before we wrap things up, and we're going to keep this relatively short, um, maybe the best story I heard at FanFest was Royals left-hander Danny Duffy apparently is a part owner in a uh, barbershop in his hometown of Lompoc, California. Yeah, uh, I think you noted that, didn't yes, you? Yes. Yeah, uh, he um, – he he went in with a friend a few years ago. This is a, this is an old story. So one of his childhood friends runs a barbershop, and and Danny is sort of the silent investor. So he hung around at, in no, the barbershop. No longer silent. No. Yeah. yeah, no, no longer now screaming investor. Now he's, now he's yeah. Slightly more public, but so he spent some time hanging out at the barbershop. Um, but yeah, but it was interesting to hear some of these guys with what they've been up to this off season. Um, some of them seem like they had more interesting off seasons than, than others. But. Well, look, your net, your Ned story, uh, I think, uh, is, is speaks to that. I mean, he couldn't even kill a, kill a deer yeah. or eat a deer. What, what was it? He couldn't do both. He couldn't right? kill. He, he no killing yeah. of the deer with his bow. Yeah. This off season. Yeah. His hunting days were limited, which, but it sounded like, um, it, from, from how you put it, I mean, yeah, it was a scramble for him in the off season, but, but he loved it. I mean, it was a just dis- a different kind of year. Yeah, he said that usually he would get home about Thanksgiving um, and settle in, or a few days before Thanksgiving and settle in and not really leave his property, um, you know, until now, basically. And yeah, he only spent four or five days in a row at home the entire off season. So I just, I guess it shows when you're when you win, you're in demand. It, it does, and it's look. It, it's almost like we still can't even mention this. Mention Ned Yost without me thinking about this. How, if you'd written the story suggesting all this stuff three years ago, it would have been like one of those you know Sports Illustrated fantasy things. In fact, I think didn't Joe Posnanski do that at one point? Yeah. Like the Royals win the World Series, and but the idea that Ned Yost is basically you know the toast of the town or it, some form or the other, it, it just blows my circuits. I mean, I, I just because of the way when I came here in 2013, people hated him. Yeah, and he could do no right, and I'm sure there are still critics out there, but not many, not many vocal ones. Yeah, well, he's got he's got the the Trump card, which is when you say, "Hey, Ned, how, how come you are you worried about your starters?" How can you innings? justify? How, are you worried about your starters' <laughs> innings this year? Um, it seems like you know last year you kind of struggled to to get a lot of length there in your starting rotation. Well. It couldn't have been that big of a problem, Rustin. We won the World Series. <laughs> Clacks the ring on yeah. the table. <laughs> Boom. You know, you know. but to your point, this is funny. We'll, we'll know that transition has really happened when we hear a lot more Royals of 2014 and 2015 stories from him than Brave stories, right? That it, yeah. Is he, is he going to start pulling that? Yeah. We're going to hear 2015. Well, than... if you'll recall in game four of the <laughs> division series exactly. at Houston, Vahe. Uh, while you guys were concocting your scheme to write about how the season failed, Sam uh, isn't here to tell his 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 no pants story, but Sam has 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 uh, made up this this. Uh, I think he's got this dream scenario in which you know Ned Yost manages a game without pants and is asked why you know Ned why were you managing a game without pants and then the reply is World Series champs. So I hope I did that justice, Sam. If it didn't didn't make you sound creepy either. I yeah, I think he was that. just yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, D- Rustin, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, rambling here, but I, I feel like I can't. We're hear- hijacking Rustin's yeah. podcast. Here, I can't hear so. about, well, Rustin's just setting us up for the layups, um, dishing. D- Danny Duffy, I can't think about Danny Duffy anymore without thinking about 
uh, Joel Goldberg's interview of him wearing this bear suit in the uh, clubhouse. And I showed it to my wife, Cindy, once. And Danny's answer over and over to Joel when he asked him a question is, for sure, like in his bear suit, for sure. And Cindy just uses that expression all the time now. And and, uh, it's completely because of Danny Duffy. That's all. That's my entire, you know, just sabotaging good take five good yeah that's all but you'll be but i guarantee anybody listening to this is going to be saying for sure yeah you know it's uh (laughs) good take (laughs) yeah you're not saying that rest no i'm I'm blanking on the television show but it's a it's a it's a reference to a television show that's on comedy central i believe it's called uh working or i i I can't even remember it and people are going to make fun of me if they listen to this and they can't remember what show it is twitter at rustin yeah but it's a reference to a comedy central show that the young kids watch that network from time to time (laughs) i thought you guess the show was called your take stinks and uh that was what i was making you think of sorry anyway no enough out of me rustin no sorry vibe um (laughs) well hey let's let's wrap it up there's not a, a lot going on but we'll be back next week with a spring training preview and um, some other stuff. But I, what, are you, what are you working on right now? Do you have anything you want to well, let people I, know Well, I am about? working on this, uh, this sort of endless uh, look back at the Chiefs' uh, first Super Bowl appearance before it was known as the Super Bowl. And one thing I'm, I'm in, about to finish off here, I hope, is a little capsule look at every Chief from that team. There's one or two elusive characters so far, but mostly I think we can round up about all of them. Um, and then I'm, I'm writing, uh, I went down to visit Hank Stram's widow and, and, uh, and spent time with a couple of his sons for a, a, a reminiscence about Hank and sort of his uh, place in history, but also at the Super Bowl. Yeah, interesting. Anything uh, as a somewhat non-Kansas City native, anything interesting you learned? Um, you know, this is not so much about Kansas City, but I guess I was a, a little shocked to see how many of, of these chiefs, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12 have died and uh, five, six, seven dealing with various um, uh, issues like Parkinson's or, or yeah. Alzheimer's and, and then another six, seven, eight uh, with, you know, 15, 20 surgeries for joint things. And, and Chris and I were talking a little earlier, and this is true, maybe anybody that age might, might that age group, you might see a lot of that, but but I, I think this is pretty extreme too. And but it's telling of the era in football and and uh, what we now know that we didn't know then. All right. Well, I appreciated Chris Fickett uh, doing the producing and the editing. I'm Rustin Dodd. You can uh, follow me at at Rustin Dodd on Twitter. Vahe at V Gregorian, I believe. Yes, or, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Chris Thank Fickett you. at Chris Fickett, and uh, don't forget to download the True Blue app for spring training. We'll have all the uh, the Royals coverage you need there as well. Uh, We'll be back next week. Um, This has been Sports BKC.